Bonjour ladies and gents, Jamie in the house, how are you? All good, in the hood, I hope, and welcome to another episode of the Mindset with Muscle podcast. I have been deep in writing the last week or so, and it has been my commitment over the last six weeks, seven weeks, to write three to four hours plus per week. And as with any skill, the more that you do it, the better that you get. And some of my thoughts that I've been putting down have been phenomenal because they've, ena they've enabled me to go deeper on the things which I've been thinking about and, of course, um, have enabled me to share that with you. So if you're listening to this, thank you ever so much. What I am going to go through on this episode is five mental models to change the way you think. Now, some of you might be wondering what on earth a mental model is. And mental models are basically thought processes that help you navigate through life. I use mental models every single day. And one of the things you need to understand is heuristics, okay, where your pattern of thinking in day-to-day -day life will either help you or hinder you. And it is something that can be trained. And the best way of training it is by understanding certain things. Now, what the internet says a mental model is, is a framework or way of thinking that helps individuals understand and interact with the world around them. It is a simplified representation of reality that can be used to make decisions, solve problems, or explain complex phenomena. Mental models can be based on personal experiences, cultural norms, education, or other factors, and can vary widely between individuals. And I personally use mental models for day-to-day -day life. And what I'm going to be doing in this episode is giving you five of my favorite that you can take into your own life and change the way you think and better what it is that you're doing. So the first one that I'm going to speak about is the map is not the territory. Okay, so this first one is called the map is not the territory. And what the map is not the territory is about and what it explains is that our own perceptions and interpretations of the world around us are not necessarily the reality that we think. Now, if you are listening to this on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see what I'm going to be showing my live audience right now. But what I'm going to be showing my live audience is basically the world map, okay? The world map which you typically see when you're at school. So I'm going to be showing you that right now. You'll see the world map. Now, the world map that I'm showing is basically what you see in school, okay? So this one, based in the UK, centralises the UK. Now, if we were to look at Australia, and if we were to put Australia in Russia, how many times would Australia fit in Russia? Anyone want to hazard a guess? One, two, three, four, five, six times? 20, 8, 10. You're all wrong. Because this is the example of what I'm talking about with a mental model of the map isn't the territory. 
what you have seen here is a lie. This isn't a true representation of the world. If we go to another we uh, website called the truesizeof.com, okay, so we've got the, the world map here. And what we're going to do is we're going to type in Australia, okay? U-S-T-R-A-L-I-A, okay? So now we have Australia, okay? Now what we're going to do is we're going to drag Australia over to Russia to see how big Australia really is. Okay, you ready? So this is how big Australia really is when we compare it to Russia. So that is the real size of Australia. Okay, let's go back to the world map. You're looking at it like this, but in actual fact, the true size of Australia would probably only fit into Russia twice. So you've been lied to your whole life. This isn't a conspiracy thing. This is a reality thing. When we look at North America, okay, United States, if we put Australia over the United States, Australia would pretty much take up the most, most of the United States. The map isn't the territory. And this is what I'm talking about when it comes to mental models. Your version of the world, your thoughts about the world, are not always a true representation of how the world really is. Okay, and this is so, so important to understand, especially when it comes to goal setting. And this is the mistake that so many people make when they go and set their goals. So let's, let's say, for example, that your goal is to get a promotion at work. And what you're envisioning is once you get this promotion, life is going to be amazing. So you're going to work so hard to get this promotion. When in actual fact, you know, if we look at the reality of a promotion, all a promotion is, is a little bit more pay for a lot more problems. So it's important to be realistic about why you want the promotion. When it comes to weight loss, a lot of us envision that once we hit our target weight loss goal, that we're going to be happier, that life is going to get better. When in actual fact, life isn't going to change. You're just going to be lighter. Yes, you might have a bit more energy. Yes, you might feel a bit more, you know, a bit more confident. But if you're not happy now, if you're miserable now, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to feel any happier being 10 pounds lighter because happiness is not a destination. If you are prolonging happiness and saying, I'm going to be miserable for a little bit, in order to get happy, I'm telling you now, you won't be happy. In order to be happy, you need to look at things now and be happy. Because if you're happy now, you'll be happy when you lose 10 pounds. So when we understand the map is not the territory, we understand that, okay? by recognizing that our mental maps are not always an accurate reflection of reality, we can approach situations with more openness and flexibility and be more willing to learn and adapt as we grow and develop. And one of my favorite quotes is, be stubborn about your goals and flexible about your methods. So yes, okay, it's important to have goals, but be flexible about them. Be honest about yourself as to why you want them. Because the map isn't the territory and your pattern of thinking might not be the reality of what the world is. So number two of our mental models is the anchoring bias. And I love this one because it's something that really affects our decision making. I'm going to give you a bit of a story. Let's just say, for example, you have booked 
to go to the cinema. So you're walking in the cinema, you're super excited because you're just about to watch this film which you've been dying to watch for weeks now. And as you're about to walk into the cinema, you see an old friend. And he has just come out of the cinema to watch the film which you're going in to watch. And you say to him, how was the film? And he says, it was terrible. Worst film I've ever seen. Now, you're walking into the cinema to go and watch that very film. And what's happening now is you're having doubts. In fact, you have so many doubts that you decide to watch something else. So that person's initial information has affected your future decision-making abilities. Now, this is a simple example, but it's also understanding this. We do not have time in life to come up with all the pros and cons of doing things. If we did, we wouldn't get anything done. So what we rely on is feedback from information from other people to hopefully make better decisions in our lives. But one of the things that we don't look at is where that information is coming from. What source is that coming from? You know, one of the things that is super important, you know, when it came to that decision of the cinema is, do you have the same taste in films as the person that you asked the question? Because that person might have said that's the worst film ever, but you might have really liked that type of film and it could be the best film ever. That person might have fallen asleep in the film and not watched it and just came up with you know, the, the thought process that it was rubbish because he missed the first hour because he was asleep. You don't actually know, but that decision has been affected. And this is super, super important when it comes to making decisions because we are heavily influenced by information. And the way to get over this kind of anchoring bias is to look for multiple sources of information before we make a decision. Because unfortunately, a lot of the places where we get our information, there is bias behind that information. In my blog, I, I give an example about a article with a woman in saying that her life has been turned around because she, is, she achieved a six stone weight loss by following a flexible diet plan. The trouble with this flexible diet plan is it was by a company and the plan is this. If you buy all of their foods, their pre-packaged foods, their pre-packaged healthy food and only eat them for 12 weeks, you will lose five stone, six stone, seven stone, as long as you eat their food and follow their plan. So their food and their plan contains between 600 and 800 calories a day. And for you to buy their food will set you back around 45 to 55 pounds per week. So you have to pay over 200 pounds a month to be miserable. And why can I honestly hand on heart say, miserable. Any person, male or female, that eats 600 to 800 calories per day from pre-packaged food, from any food, is going to get more and more miserable. Because that is not enough calories for the average human to live on, to have a fulfilling, energetic, happy life. So be very careful of the information 
which you take in, which does affect your decision-making. And understand that we are heavily influenced by information. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. So number two on my mental models is the anchoring bias. Be very careful of taking gospel from the first piece of information that you get. Number three on my list is confirmation bias. This very much complements this anchoring bias because confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, or remember information in a way that confirms one's preconceptions or beliefs. And this is one big problem, especially when it comes to social media, because we have echo chambers. We only follow people who agree with the same things as us. And if we want to believe that something is a fact, we can pretty much find a research paper, an article, or somebody else which confirms what we believe. So you've got to be really, really mindful of how the brain works. Because if we make a decision on something, and in order for us to make a decision on something, we need to find multiple pieces of evidence to confirm our decisions. An easy example for this, ladies and gents, is when you're on Amazon shopping. Okay, you're on Amazon shopping. You see something you like. What is the next thing that you do? I know what I do, and just tap on the screen or nod if you're listening to this on the podcast if you agree. But when I'm on Amazon shopping for something and I want it, I will come up with one or two kind of thought processes as to why I need it in my life. And then I'll go straight to the reviews to see how happy people are are that they now have that thing in their life because any kind of decision especially a purchase decision you need to triple justify before buying you need to create these reasonings in your head and a lot of the time we don't look for negative information especially if we really really want something now why this can be dangerous is because we do this with everything in our lives in fact we do a lot of this with our relationships and i'm going to give you a bit of a scenario now which I've seen many, many times. You go on a date with somebody and you think you found the one. And the reason that you think you found the one is because every time you meet up with this person, you can talk for hours. There's no awkward silences. You share lots of things in common. And that person is probably the first person to, to make you laugh. Okay, This person's the one. You've never met someone like this before. And because of all these positive things, you kind of don't look at some of their negative attributes. You kind of ignore the fact that they're rude to waiters and waitresses. You're kind of ignoring the fact that whenever you meet up with them, they're always about half an hour late. And you're always kind of, you know, you're kind of ignoring the fact that they're kind of a little bit obsessed with social media and only putting perfect pictures on there and constantly documenting the whole life on their stories. You kind of ignore those things because you can chat to them for ages that you've never met a person like this. And all of a sudden, this person turns around and goes, I think we should move in. And you don't even hesitate at the decision because of all the positive things which you're thinking about and all the reasons why that's a good idea. All until you actually move in with that person. And then you realise that that person is a piece of shit. That person is selfish. That person is obsessed. That person is rude. 
And you kind of realize that you already know these things, but you just chose to ignore them because of all the positive things. And that's all you focused on. And that, ladies and gents, when it comes to relationships, that is the prime example of confirmation bias. When we make a decision, we like to think about all the positive affirmations as to why we made that decision. And then we have a tendency of ignoring all the warning signs, all the red flags, all the things that we should be looking at. So how do we how do we overcome this confirmation bias? Well, firstly, it's understanding that this is perfectly normal. Whenever we make a decision, we don't want to feel that we've made the wrong one. So we will look for other evidence to confirm that we've made the right one. And that's okay with little decisions. But when it comes to very big decisions, such as moving in with someone, such as you know, choosing a career path, such as you know saying or doing something, weigh up all the pros and cons. And this is something that I like to do. And it's a very simple process. Get a piece of paper, put a line down the middle and write pros of doing that thing and cons of doing that thing. And the most important thing is to be completely honest. Best case scenarios and worst case scenarios. And you have to get all of them down. Worst case scenarios, best case scenarios. And if the best case scenarios heavily outweigh the worst case scenarios by a factor of three, then it might be a good decision to make. And that is a kind of a simple thing. You know, if there is more than three red flags on that right-hand side of that piece of paper, you now need to look and ask yourself, if those three things happen, would that, you know, would that be a bad thing or would that be a disaster? Because if it would be a disaster, then maybe make a decision to avoid that thing. Because if that person had written down is rude to waiters and you should always judge someone by, by how they treat others, if that person's always late, it shows that they don't respect your time. And if that person's obsessed with looking perfect on social media, it also potentially shows some narcissistic tendencies, which are going to make your relationship very, very difficult because you'll end up getting gaslighted. So confirmation bias, number three on my mental models list. Number four on my list is what's known as fundamental attribution error and what fundamental attribution error is is when we observe someone's behavior we often make assumptions about their personality we make assumptions about their beliefs and their intentions without taking into account the context or circumstances that might have influenced their behavior so let's just say for example i'm on social media i'm on here and in the comments section someone's being really rude let's just say that i posted something and someone has just destroyed me in the comments section now my first thought was that person must hate me that person must be such an asshole that person must be such a nasty person because i'm making it about me i'm attaching their current behavior to them as a person but what you also have to realize is that person might just be having a bad day. That person isn't even thinking of you. They're thinking about them. In fact, it has nothing to do with you whatsoever and everything to do with them. 
And why knowing this can save a lot of time and energy is you don't waste any time on it. In fact, you respond with kindness and empathy because kindness and empathy will always win over arguing with strangers on the internet. And another example of fundamental attribution error is this. Imagine, if you will, that you're driving on the motorway. All of a sudden, you're driving on the motorway and somebody cuts you up. You beep your horn. They don't even notice. You're enraged. You're like, how has this person cut me up? What an arsehole. So what you do is you put your foot down. You drive up their arse. You swerve over to undertake them. You go to look at who this arsehole is. And it's a little 95-year-old woman who looks left, who smiles at you, and who waves. And you realise, actually, that it wasn't an arsehole cutting you up. It was an old lady that, you know, probably shouldn't be on the roads, is driving, and she made a bit of a mistake. In fact, she she's waving and smiling at you because she didn't even realise the mistake that she made. And... This is another kind of example of what's known as Hanlon's razor. And I love Hanlon, Hanlon razor because this helps to understand these things as well. And it is never attribute to malice that which can be explained by stupidity. And as soon as you realize that a lot of people's actions have nothing to do with you, you no longer take things personally. A lot of people say to me, how do you deal with trolls online? How do you deal with haters? And I deal with it because it has fuck all to do with me. Nothing. And everything to do with them. And that's the reality. We honestly think we're the most important people in the world. When we're not. Think about this. And really, really think about this. Today, how much time have you spent thinking about other people? Be honest. Today, how, how much time have you spent thinking about other people? Probably not a lot. You've probably been thinking about things that you did in the past, things that you've got to do today, things that you've got to get done next week, all about you and your world and what you're doing and what where you're going and what you're not doing, not what somebody else is doing. So if you honestly think like that, and you do, because I do, what makes you think that other people are thinking about you? They're not. And as soon as you realise this, a lot of anxiety and frustration will reduce because you understand that most people day-to-day -day are just trying to get through the day. Most people are just trying to survive. A lot of people's behaviour has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their own fears, frustrations and inadequacies. So when you approach everything with kindness and empathy life becomes so much easier because you don't get as triggered. So fundamental attribution error. Try not to observe someone's behavior and make assumptions about their personality, beliefs, or intentions. They might just be having a bad day. And most of the time they are because they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about what they have to do for their day. So that is fundamental attribution error. Number five and the final one on my list is the curse of knowledge. Now, I coach a lot of PTs, and I talk a lot about the curse of knowledge with PTs because they overcomplicate their content. They talk so in-depth about training, you know, like progressive overload and hypertrophy. And when it comes to nutrition, 
they talk about things like leucine thresholds and you know all of these kind of really complex things and a lot of the time when they're putting these out is that they're trying to show their audience that they're clever but the trouble is no one wants to be thought of as stupid you know when i see people put really clever information out and i don't understand it and it makes me feel stupid it doesn't make me hold that person in high regard because if you can't explain complex subjects in simple formats then it makes me question how much you know it yourself and my last 10 years of social media has always been drawing things in crayon and that's what i'm always trying to do i'm trying to simplify things down because i am quite a simple person and if I don't understand something complex, I need people to break it down and make it easier for me to understand. And this is what the curse of knowledge is. If you have an expertise in something, your main focus is to break it down so a kid can understand it. Because if you can explain your expertise, your knowledge on a certain subject to a 10-year-old, and they understand it, then the chances are that you know that subject very, very well. And you can probably teach many other people to do it too. And that's going to be a massive game changer when it comes to things like content creation, when it comes to building a business, because the main point of that is trying to get people to understand what it is that you know. And there's a great physicist called Richard Feynman. And um, Richard Feynman came up with this thing called the Feynman Technique. Uh, Richard Feynman was an American theoretical physicist known for his work in quantum mechanics and particle physics. How much do you know about quantum mechanics and particle physics? I know nothing. But one of the things that he was able to do, by the way, he was awarded a Nobel Prize in physics in 1965. And he was an incredibly smart man. But the reason that he was held in such high regard is because he could explain very complex subjects such as quantum mechanics and particle physics in very simple ways for us laymans like me to understand. And he came up with this thing called the Phelan Technique. Now, to overcome your curse of knowledge and to simplify things down, I highly recommend following Richard Feynman's Feynman Technique. And it's four simple things that you can do. Number one, of course, is to pick and study a topic. You might already be doing that. You know, for me, coaching PTs, that might be nutrition, training. For me, it's a lot of mindset stuff. It might be some marketing stuff, whatever it is that you're looking to study and get better at. So pick and study a topic is number one. Number two is to explain the topic to a child who is unfamiliar with the topic at a level that they understand. So this is great for me because I have a three-year-old and a nine-year-old. So if I want to put a piece of content out there about nutrition, probably the best thing that I can do is sit my daughter down and try and explain it to her. Because if she understands it the way that I'm teaching, the chances are my audience will too. So number two is explain the topic to a child who is unfamiliar with the topic at a level they understand using simple language. Number three is an important one. And number three is to identify any gaps in your level of understanding. 
Because when you try and explain something to a 10-year-old that you think you know about, you will find it a lot more difficult to explain because you're really trying to have to, you really have to simplify it down in stories, in visualizations, in analogies. And what you might have to do once you finally explain it is go back into the books, go back into Google, go back into your research papers and just find the gaps of your own understanding of the subject. And then number four and the final one is to simplify your explanations and create analogies so they're easy to understand. What you might have seen if you follow my work and you follow my content, that most of what I speak about is in stories, quotes, and analogies. And the reason for that is how my brain understands things better and how your brain understands things better. Think about how I've been explaining these mental models. I talk about relationships. I talk about, you know, the confirmation bias in relationships. I talk about the anchoring effect in weight loss when it comes to you know, people advertising to you. Because what it does, it gets you to visualize it in your head so you better understand it. So make sure that you're doing that with your own work. And this will then enable you to have a better understanding too, because what explaining something to a child does is it really questions how much you know. Because in order to simplify something, you need to know it at a very complex level. When we think of circles, and there was a great diagram that I saw, and, it, and for those of you listening to this, it was a big circle and a small circle. So in order to teach that, you must know that. And that is the curse of knowledge. You know, simplify things down. If you're a personal trainer or a fitness professional, stop overcomplicating your content. A lot of people don't know how to do a push-up. A lot of people don't know what protein is. A lot of people don't know what macros are. A lot of people don't know how to calculate the calories. Simplify it down in. Make it easy. Because a lot of the time you're spending time with other people who know those subjects. So you assume that other people know when they don't. So that, ladies and gents, is my five mental models for you. Number one, the map is not the territory. The world we think we live in is not always the world we actually live in. Okay, so be realistic. Number two, the anchoring bias. Be careful to place too much of your decision-making based on the first piece of information you receive. Number three, confirmation bias. Weigh up all the evidence when making big decisions. It's not easy to disagree with your personal biases, but doing so will save you a lot of heartache and regret. Number four is fundamental attribution error. Try and separate someone's behavior from who they are as a person. Empathy and kindness work every time. And then the final one is the curse of knowledge. Never assume someone knows as much as you. Always try and simplify down complex subjects. Doing so will give you a greater understanding of the subject yourself. So that is it from this episode. And I finish each episode of My Mindset Muscle with the same quote. And that is, what you put in your body affects how you look and how you feel. And what you put in your head affects what you think and what you do. And today, you've been filling your heads with me, Jay Alderton. Ladies and gents, thank you ever so much for listening and watching the Mindset Muscle podcast today. And I'll speak to you all soon. Tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top.
We reaching the top. We know what it takes to be.